All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Anglers Happy Hour podcast. It's been a while and uh, we apologize for that, but we really appreciate you guys tuning in today. Um, the big, you know, the big news, the big reason we're back is we we inked a big deal with Spotify. There's a lot of zeros in it. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff going on for us, basically. So um, we're glad to be back and uh, we're going to try, you know, and, and I, I can honestly say, you know, we've kind of come up with a game plan here on how we're going to make uh, get back to some regularity. Um, so what we're going to try to do is do uh, just a biweekly podcast. That way, uh, you know, you guys can count on us coming out with an episode just like, you know, we did for the first couple of years. Um, every week was difficult for us to get our schedules aligned along with guests. So uh, we're going to be back to kind of doing what we do. Um, and then hopefully by doing it bi-weekly, we are able to come up with a little bit, you know, uh, juicier content too, right? Like uh, not having to come up with a show every single week allows you to to kind of to garner everything for a couple of weeks and then co come out with a good show and then do it again a couple of weeks later. So anyways, Really appreciate you guys. Uh, a lot of people have been asking, uh, you know, and it, it, you know, it, it means a lot. I mean, we haven't done a podcast in months and I'll still get, you know, comments on almost every post I make. Where's the next episode? Where's the next English happy hour podcast? Uh, you know, meeting people at tournaments. Hey man, I like your podcast, but where the hell is it? So uh, anyways, uh, it, we're excited. You know, I haven't talked to Rob and Nick at all. Since, Since last episode, last, I'm just kidding on that <laughs> one, but <laughs> uh, uh, we're glad to be back. And uh, I, I know these two are too. Let's uh, let's check in and see what's going on with you guys. Um, Nick, let's start with you, dude. Since uh, we can't see Nick, unfortunately, this morning, he's he's on a dark screen. But what's up with you, dude? Even though uh, we took like a three month hiatus, you would never know it by the fact that I slept through the alarm to start this podcast with you guys this morning. And then we've had technical difficulties. You'd think we just picked up right where we left off. But uh, behind the scenes, it's a little bit less than that. That's right. We're, you know, we're probably going to have bad audio for the next year. So warning. <laughs> yeah, Rob, could exactly. you go sit in your truck and record right. from the Bluetooth speaker in your truck? That'd be great. <laughs> we're starting fresh again, dude. Well, that's, that's, I mean, this is pretty much where we left off was, uh, yeah, very, uh, rough starts to every podcast. Anyways, it very, very rarely went smoothly. So the yeah. fact that our seven listeners are still caring about us and Spotify gave us a 10 figure deal is pretty, pretty remarkable, but then again, you know, we've always been better than Joe Rogan. So it's kind of no surprise that we get the treatment we do. You just can't turn down that kind of money, dude, basically. You know, we had some requests on our counter offer, but ultimately it was it was pretty much accepted upon receipt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But sure. uh, yeah, man, I, it's been so long. It's like it's hard to even jump into some of the fun stuff that's been going on. But, uh, you know, the sick herd of things with and without motors has grown and shrunk over the over the time and uh been doing a little bit of fishing but nothing like you guys do um i uh i think i could sum it up best i was reading this book that is pretty cool it's a, written by a guy who contributes to a bunch of different fishing and outdoor magazines and uh it's just kind of like an assembly of essays so it reads really fast and uh, he's talking about his dad and how there's kind of like different styles of fishermen and he was really appalled when his dad like just kind of got too busy to fish after teaching him how to fish when the author was in his like late teens and his dad was reduced to only going fishing 
maybe half a dozen times a year. But what he but he what he lacked in intensity, he tried to make up for in like lavish destinations. And he was just <laughs> calling him out for like reducing fishing to just like like high intensity, low frequency outings. And he was like in a you know slamming way. And I was like, oh man, I feel like that guy's dad. And then at the end, his dad dies. And so he goes and fishes with his dad's best friend, who was kind of like his pseudo uncle. And they have this like glorious day of fishing. And at the end, he's like, hey, man, like, was my dad a good fisherman? And the uncle looks at him. He's like, I think the guy's name is Tim. He's like, no, Tim, he wasn't. He was terrible. But no one loved it more than him. And I was like, that's going to be my eulogy in 30 years when I pass away. That's what they'll say. He fished occasionally, but no one loved it more than he did. Maybe that's true. I don't know, dude. That uh, that's funny though, dude. I could uh, I could kind of. You did a good job painting that picture. It, it felt close to home. I definitely haven't been shooting huge antelope bucks and uh, punching through tamarisk to catch thirty pound flathead catfish like you guys. So I'm excited to hear what you got going. Well, on. that's cool. Well, dude, let's real quick here. Uh, you know, because yeah, we could go on forever, and uh, you know, I'm sure. Some of the stories of stuff that's happened over the last few months in all of our fishing will come will come into the next few podcasts as just as it goes on. Uh, we could spend an entire episode just telling those stories. But um, what what's the latest with your new boat, dude? Because, you know, you've still got a pretty uh, solid, reliable, older nitro hanger, I guess, current, fairly current nitro hanging out yeah. at, the, uh, at the house. But what have you added to the fleet on the boat department yeah doom scrolling on youtube of tiny boat nation videos is hazardous to your bank account i uh <laughs> i found a, it's pretty pretty sweet uh little 16 foot aluminum v-hole uh and i had looked at a couple of them but what you end up with are boats that someone has already like went to home depot and bought a bunch of plywood and like screwed things in and wired in a bunch of crap and try to get you to believe that it added any value. So I was patiently waiting and I found one. It's, it's a gem, man. It's a 16 foot Sylvan aluminum, but it's like a 1999, but it's brand new. Like there's been nothing added to it and it's just a blank canvas. So now I'm going to be the guy that goes to home Depot and buys a bunch of plywood and ruins the, you know, nice. cleanness of the boat and then tries to pass it off as improvements. But I'm not going to do anything too crazy with it. We just have uh, been doing a little trout fishing off of it around here. And I want to put a good trolling motor on it and, uh, you know, graph on it and probably like a four stroke 250 on the back and a couple of talons and, you know, nothing major. <laughs> I love it, dude. What motor does it have on it right now? Uh, well, to anyone in law enforcement listening on the Mogollon rim, it's a Mercury two stroke nine nine. Because uh -huh. you have to have less than 10 horsepower to use it on pretty much any trout lake in Arizona. Is that so, just a sticker? That's what I would do. Oh, dude. Well, and see, that was my illegal plan, too. It's actually a 40 horsepower two stroke, and it sounds like a really angry dirt bike. So it will be hard to convince <laughs> my friends down there. At the That's a lakes. nine nine. Yeah, this is a nine nine times four. I mean, yeah, <laughs> dude, how is it? These these law enforcement <clears throat> officers up there that actually do check it, which I don't know if they do or not. It might not be a big thing at all, but like, uh, yeah, they've seen that trick before, bro. Oh, I believe it. What? That's not original? I thought, dude, I've always thought I was like on the cutting edge of new ideas. And you're telling me that that's not an original well, idea? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm i going to say that they're not dummies, though, but. Uh, dude, I don't know, man. No, I, I think so. I, I tried to go a little overkill on trolling motor because most of our 9.9 or lower lakes here 
I mean, these aren't, this isn't Lake Huron on a windy day. Right. So, and it's a pretty light boat. So I just put a little beefier trolling motor on it and I'm going to tell my kids to eat fewer snacks on those days so that it doesn't have a hard time pushing us in the wind and I'll just trolling motor around it. And that's a good call. That's a good backup. Right. And if you got the lake to yourself, you just use it. Oh yeah. I'll just, and I'll just do circles. Like if I go to a lake where they have boat rentals and there's a bunch of confused Phoenicians, the best dude, we kept going to Woods Canyon Lake, which is like, you need a couple of sleeping pills to survive the anxiety of that on a Saturday. And uh, by like 1030, two thirds of West Phoenix is on a lake that's the size of four Olympic uh, swimming pools. And uh, <laughs> you can rent boats, which is pretty, you know, that's where the, the addiction and craziness came in because it's pretty cool. But you rent a little 14 foot aluminum V hole and you got a little, you know, hand tiller negative 20 pound thrust uh, trolling motor on it. So it seems safe enough. But by like 10 a.m., two thirds of those West Phoenicians and myself included are out there bumping off. It's like bumper boats at the county fair. And the best is, is that people are standing up in those boats and fishing, dude. It makes me smile, man. There's like (laughs) three grown men standing up in a 14 foot boat, like oscillating back and forth. So my plan is now is to just fire up that 40 horse and do like victory laps around it so that they have to like, you know, compensate for the waves and uh, and then race to the ramp before they open fire on me. But it would be glorious for a moment. Have you seen those roundabouts like in Europe with all the cars in them? <laughs> That's what Woods Canyon looks like on a Saturday. Everyone trolling. Uh-huh. In That's a hilarious. <laughs> the lines have to be getting caught in each other at oh, an unbelievable yeah. pace. Oh, so that this the spiel they give you when you rent the boat. They're like, okay, do you have a pulse? Yes. Okay, do you have a reflection in a mirror? Yes. Okay, cool. It's going to be like 120 bucks for four hours. And you're thinking like, okay, that's, that's that's pretty high. And then they're like, yep, uh-huh. And then we're going to keep your credit card until you come back. Like, mm, okay, that's aggressive. Like, And there's like an $80 deposit on it. Oh, okay, cool. They're like, okay. And then you're going to go around. If you put the boat on the bank, we're going to immediately disqualify you, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. They're like, and when you run through your line, just come on back to the dock and we'll help you get it out of your prop. They already they said that? They just tell it to you like, you're going to do it. And like these people, like, do they not know that I'm a co-host on an incredibly popular fishing podcast and that, you know, I've captained huge vessels. I have a 20.8 foot <laughs> fiberglass bass boat lady. Like I'm, I'm the she's like back down. Then I get out there and I'm like, there's nowhere to drive, dude. The, the guy, the, the classic, the guy on the bank has like a 12 foot long catfish rod that he can cast to the other end of the lake with. So he's like taking three steps back and happy Gilmoreing it across the lake. Right. And then you're in the aluminum boat wanting to fish next to the bank because anyone in a boat fishes near the bank and anyone near the bank exactly. is trying to cast where the boats are. It's this weird, like mirror, you know, neuron thing. Oh, it's, it's. And so then I've got, you know, like my four-year-old eating an entire bag of chips as fast as he can. So no one else can have any of them. So three kids are fighting over chips. My wife and I are trying not to fall in the boat. Meanwhile, I have two rods out trolling and driving. Anytime we'd snag, it'd be like, oh, so you got to like go backwards, go get it. So twice I swallowed line and my own line in the prop. So then you're like dead drifting in the wind towards the the homies that are standing up on their V hole, trying not to fall. There were a couple of moments, dude, where it was like, I don't even know how to like, I thought I was just going to cease to exist. I thought I was just going to poof and like a hot blaze. And then there'd just be a pile of ash where I once was. And that would be it. Cause Hey, that's like, it's like having a nightmare. And you know, <laughs> you, you fortunately usually wake up right before it gets really, really bad, right? Like it's getting really, really bad. And it's, and you're having an absolute nightmare and then you wake up and it's like, Oh, it's cool. 
That's what and you then, were hoping would happen. I'm just going to wake you up. You're just nightmare. blinking, right? And you're like, oh, I'm very much awake. That was a blink. I'm still in this. Yep. That's exactly right, man. Were any trout harmed in this oh, experiment? That's the part that could just make you feel insane is that it's put and take is mildly, you know, a description of that. There's 27 trillion nine to 11 inch rainbow trout in that lake. So you can, I, I mean, you barely troll 30 feet and you've already had two bites. So That's it's great. fun enough. Yeah, it's fun enough that you want to like go buy a new boat and do all these crazy things that distract you and prevent you from actually just fishing like ever, always. Oh, dude. And then the best is, is that the guys on the, the first time I went, the guys in the boat were kicking the people on the bank's ass. Like we were just trolling on spoons and like, boom, like laughing. I'm like, ah, you should have rented a boat. You suck. The next day <laughs> we go there. And it's windy, so it's really challenging to navigate that parasail with negative 20 pounds thrust. And then they wanted nothing but power bait, dude. We tried everything we could to troll. And there's these homies huh. on the on the bank. Dude, one guy caught, because they put incentive fish in there. Nothing holds, some stuff holds over probably, but, you know, it's 97% is freshly stocked. And, dude, this guy catches, like, probably a three and a half or four pound rainbow off the bank, and he's fighting it. And, and the competitiveness on the everywhere is incredible but on the bank is like fever pitch right so this guy's fighting the fish and like five groups down which only encompasses 45 feet of bank and there's already five separate fishing groups they're like he's got one he's got one and then everyone like runs over and like it's a mixture of like jealousy and excitement for him and he like hoists this you know solid trout like three and a half four pounder boom it bounces on the first boulder boom bounces on the second boulder and then he like grabs it and squeezes it like it's a hoagie from jersey mike's and he's like walking up the bank and the thing's like squirming and boom falls on the ground again he picks it up and he's like bear hugging it it's never a dull moment what there's a, never what you can't take a photo of that trout unless it's got dirt all over it you like, don't even know if it's a brown right. trout roll it in the mud dude it's a brown trout because it's muddy Right. <laughs> I love just the, the ego that all fishermen have, not all, but like, it's so common amongst fishermen. Like there's been, you know, uh, taking my family up to Willow Springs or Woods, Woods Canyon too. Right. And, uh, these guys, you know, you show up oh. casually with your kids, right. And, uh, you, you pull up and, and, and fishing is so secondary at that point. Like the oh, kids yeah. are digging for crawfish, looking, you know, Throwing messing rocks. around, not so, you know, the catching is not great. And then there'll be some dude that walks by with a stringer of trout. You know, he'd gotten up at, <laughs> at five o'clock and sat there and, and caught his limit of trout. And he's walking. Same thing. The stringer, all the fish are covered in dirt. They're stiff as a board. Um, and and you, you try to be cool. Hey, man, that's awesome. Look at, you know, you got your limit, huh? And And the dude is literally... Like, like basically snubs you like big timing the crap out of you. I right? got a limit and you're just sitting there thinking, dude, <laughs> you have no idea. You know, it's, it's hilarious, dude. It's, there's a, but you that's should, the scene. Every time you go, you oh, should wear your Jersey, Josh. <laughs> oh, please do. I was thinking about wearing one of the old ones that you autographed for me. I sleep in it usually, but I was like, maybe if I put that on, I'd get some street cred. Nah, you guys got to lay out the situation for folks that aren't from Arizona. Like the, the mountain lakes are, couple hours away and and 20 or 30 degrees cooler than the valley so and just it's like a magnet for people yeah. right and that's yeah. that's what sucked us in dude just like a tractor beam like it's been 196 for five months now every day and it's like oh like look at that woods canyon from my driveway to there is like an hour and 40 minutes like that's achievable if we get there early enough 
we'll be able to do our thing and yep and everyone else thinks that and it's basically a glorified urban lake with it's beautiful yeah. scenery it's a beautiful but, urban lake that's for sure yeah. yeah and it's so funny you know your mind you start like getting stressed and you're like man these people are assholes and like and so the day that like the stress was in the pressure cooker turned on to top setting one of those stander uppers in a boat was just drifting into us at 90 miles an hour i had 30 pound braid completely wrapped in my trolling motor prop so my boat was rendered useless max is melting down and like we're all just like pecking at each other because it's stressful and then here comes the homies just like drifting into me and that we what we had switched to power bait and so we had one dead nine inch trout dragging behind us and he's like oh they caught one Oh my gosh, dude, look, they caught one. And you know, it's like four feet away. I can hear everything they're saying. And he's like, Hey, he yells at me, Hey, 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 how'd you catch that? We can't get a bite. And then they ended up being like really friendly, cool guys. And the whole time in my mind, I'm just like, these mother, you know, no good. Like they have no etiquette. Who's dead? And then it's like, oh, they're really friendly and they just needed, you know, a pointer or two. And like, so then I told They were just like, clueless, right? They had no idea. All... They weren't trying to be, you know, no, jerks. Like they don't they know just how to clueless. That's it. And they're really friendly. Right. So then it's like, well, how does anyone learn? Right. You have to start somewhere. So I felt like a total jerk off. I had been yelling at my kids for two hours anyways, trying to clear a line out of the prop and drifting into the bank of army of fishermen. So that was the end of the Woods Canyon adventures. We went on a couple of them and had a good time. And then it was just time to have a different boat where we could go somewhere where you don't need to rent one and hopefully, you know, get away from the crowds a little bit. And that's nice. the purpose of a little aluminum. And, you know, you really haven't arrived in life until you can tow a boat behind a minivan. And I feel so accomplished now. Like I took it up to Flagstaff last weekend and went up to 17 with a, with a little boat behind a minivan. And you know, just the street cred is, is what I do it for. I bet she I'm hauls honest. that baby up the hills. No problem. Dude. I mean, you're in third gear at 6,000 RPM going 65 <laughs> up the hill, but the haters don't know, you know, like you still just look good doing it. I There's like four it, outlets for everyone's video games to plug in so that they can electronically disappear. Well, you know, you do all the work, but no, I'm not bitter. I love it. Hey, that's awesome, dude. It, those are fun times. The whole family's going to remember those. Um, so that's cool. Let's turn yeah, it over to Rob. What uh, What's up your way, man? Uh, so, I mean, it's been a long time since we've been on and I did our... Uh, we did our Minnesota trip this year, spent five weeks up in uh, central Minnesota, and that was all about fishing. I fished all but three days. Um, it was it was fantastic. And then we got home. It's super hot here. Um, and then it's all been about antelope yeah. hunting. Five uh, weeks wasn't enough time, bro. You came back way too early. I did. Yeah. I did. We need to adjust <clears throat> it to where it's like we get home and it's nice here. Cause I'm thinking like mid-November, bro. <clears throat> Yeah, and you'd I'm be thinking... frozen in up there, but it'd be nice yeah. here. Yeah. So, but that was, a, it was a lot of fun. I had it, we had a great year up there, um, or a great, you know, five weeks this year up there. Um, got home. Uh, my son Boyd had, has a, or had a antelope archery tag. And if you know anything about antelope, like that's a pretty challenging hunt. Um, and he was able to kill, kill a buck, uh, I, I think a week ago last. Yeah. Well, yeah, last Thursday. So, um, I think we spent six or seven days hunting him. Um, he ended up killing his buck on his 12th stock of the hunt. So, uh, <laughs> it was, it was pretty eventful. I mean, we were, had no problem finding antelope or, you know, antelope bucks and, 
they're just, they're a crazy animal. I mean, they, they have, I've never really watched them before and amazing how like literally they'll walk one direction, a hundred yards and all of a sudden turn around and walk the other direction. And I don't <laughs> no know. No rhyme what, or reason. No rhyme or reason. What are they're they the doing? Cra- what are they looking I for? I don't know. And maybe, maybe pressure. They probably know what they're, oh, okay. Maybe pressure creates that. And maybe they're just getting wind drifts of stuff, but, um, and just changing their mind. Who knows? Like, <laughs> but it, it literally you have to do exactly what he did. And that's go on multiple stocks and you kind of get lucky and one just wandered you know. to him. Yeah. So the buck he ended up killing, um, was late, uh, Thursday evening and, we pull up to this area and there's cattle everywhere and antelope live in prairies, open, you know, like open grass areas along edges of trees. Right. And there's all these cows. We kind of spooked them when we pulled into the area and they're like mooing and making all kinds of noise and going across <laughs> this prairie. Right. So we had a cow decoy, um, cattle cow. What like, is it? A blow up doll? <laughs> no. It's... And then y'all climbed inside and like, <laughs> right. walked in unison together. <laughs> no, it's a big, like flat picture of a cow. <laughs> and his buddy Blake went in front of him and Boyd was right behind him, hiding behind this stupid cow decoy. And they walked right up to him. And he made, you he have made to a good... moo occasionally. Oh, no, the, the other cows were doing it enough. <laughs> oh, dude. It was it's Brett hiding Alex and the cow, dude. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Brett was actually in camp. His buddy Craig <laughs> shot a nice buck. Um, I don't know, like three days into it. So that was fun. We had, we had a good time sharing camp with those guys. So, but oh man, pretty, pretty crazy. So That's got that fun. done. Um, two weeks from today, uh, I'll be elk hunting. So I've got an archery elk tag in that same area. So really looking forward to that. Where roughly are you? I was trying to figure that out and I showed brother, are you like Northern Arizona? Like, uh, so north of I-40 and west of Flagstaff. Okay. Cool. So kind of like Williams-ish? Yeah, north uh, northeast of Williams. That's up there, man. Okay. Wow. Cool. Yeah, it's a trek. Um, we're fortunate. We have a, a some good friends that have a place up there. So uh, we stayed there a little bit. Obviously, we're going to camp on my hunt uh, to be closer to where we're hunting. But um, yeah, that's an nice awesome day. elk area, right? Isn't that a desirable spot for an elk? Tag? It's good. Yeah. It's like, um, it's probably not a top tier unit in Arizona, but it's the only unit I've ever archery hunted in and we know it really well. So that helps, cool. um, you know, there's other units that are probably better, um, but take twice as many points to draw. And this took cool. me 10 years to get this tag. Wow. <laughs> Took Boyd 15 years to get the antelope tag. No so, kidding. I was I was yep. wondering how scarce those were. Yeah, I've got 23 bonus points for antelope. I've never drawn it. Uh-huh. Man. Yeah, so, dude, I mean, scary. is there a chance? So, you guys obviously, you know, hunting is a huge part of your life. You love it. You, Boyd, uh, the whole rest of the crew that you yeah. hunt with normally. I mean, is there a chance that there's going to be a year where no one gets anything and no oh, one it can happens. go hunting? Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Hey, I mean, stinks, th- dude. but I mean, our strategy is we all put in individually and then we just take everybody's hunt and, and go enjoy it all together. Right. Yeah. Smart. Like, yeah. Obviously you can't shoot it, but you can go help them find it. You can, you know, help you can walk it. with the cow decoy. You can carry the back dude, part of it. Dude, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And like, I think a lot of people think that like I should have been the one walking with it and, you know, being right. But I get such a thrill out of watching him and one of his buddies, like, go and do it and like and it was 
I was able to witness everything through my binoculars. I saw the arrow flight. I saw everything. So <laughs> that's pretty, awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, makes it's a dad up. proud when you bring them up hunting and then they can go do it, you know? So you're, pretty- you're my light at the end of the tunnel that I hope isn't a train. Cause probably like 20 some odd years ago, he was crying in an aluminum boat, eating all the chips and trying to fall over the side and you stuck it out. Is that true? Oh, it's a hundred percent true. Not only did he hang over the side one time, he just walked into the water. <laughs> it was like in January, he was five years oh old. Oh my he just gosh. Decided we we're 20 miles from the boat ramp and he decides to oh. step into the water. Oh my gosh. He was not very happy. I'm, I'm sure I've told that story on the podcast, but he, uh, I immediately grabbed him. Obviously he had a life jacket on and I threw him in the back in the boat and he started crying. I'm like, you'll be all right. Don't worry. And he's like, no, I don't want to go home. <laughs> so, Oh, that's how he did it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, Josh, yeah. you remember that time on Roosevelt too, where William fell in? How could I forget? After, yeah. January Dude, that at be, Roosevelt. They're baptized in the, you know, the waters and church of the outdoors at that point. Just say a few yeah. words and call it a day. I know not to take my kids to Roosevelt in January because that's a, a two for two out of three on this podcast. Anyways, man. Yep. Yeah. You got to be careful with that one. I just but. can't stop thinking about the decoy having the the it's two amazing. guys. And imagine, you know, doing that, doing such a good job. And then an arrow goes right through your stomach. Dude, I'm going to send you guys a photo of the decoy. We have one terrible photo because uh, let's see. Because it, it was a forgettable moment. Do they no, sell it at Sportsman's Warehouse? Do you go buy a duck decoy or do you have to make it? Or a, a cow decoy or do you have to make it? No, you can buy them. Uh, there's a company called Montana Decoys. They make a bunch of great decoys. The funniest thing about this decoy is, um, you know how cattle always have bugs buzzing around them? Uh-huh. This decoy has bugs on no the No way. It's hilarious, dude. <laughs> I just sent you guys a photo. You need to zoom into it and check it out. It's pretty funny. That's going to be the thumbnail for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like an Impractical Jokers episode. Oh, my oh, gosh. Oh, man. That's, Rob's leaning that's amazing. on it. That's so great. Is that yeah. hilarious? That's a calm cow, dude. That's cool. You could just lean on him and pet him like that. It's very, yeah. very lifelike. But it, I mean, everything came together and that's antelope hunting and pretty much, I mean, that's what it is, is everything's got to come together and you kind of got to get lucky. And, um, we had the, the real cattle, the fake cattle or the fake cow decoy and <laughs> the antelope were riding like crazy. So they were a little less uh, distracted. Yep. Yeah. Here's so. you're pretty humble, but I don't know a lot, but I do know a thing or two about antelope because there's more antelope in Wyoming than people. And that's everyone's favorite fact to regurgitate. That's a big buck, isn't it? I mean, that's it's that's a nice a good buck. One. It's for an archery buck, it's a great buck. Yeah. That's yeah, what I nice. thought. I mean, that's a good one, right? It's I don't think it's an I mean, yeah. It's, it's a it's seven a, pound largemouth in Arizona, right? Like give me a fishing yep. comparison. Yeah, especially with archery equipment, right? Maybe like pushing eight or nine. Yeah. I mean, that's what's crazy about antelope. Like if you have a rifle tag in Arizona that hunts mm-hmm. probably over the first day, you probably, <laughs> you probably spend one. four or five days prior to the hunt, figuring out which one you want to shoot. And it's probably you prop done. it over your tailgate and finish probably, it. Probably, Yeah. Probably done in the first 30 minutes of the hunt, right. Or first hour of the hunt and archery, like, dude, it was, it was, we had so much fun. Just, I mean, we had radios and <laughs> sit on the hill and run void around in these prairies. It was pretty funny. So that's cool, man. What a fun trip. Something totally different too, man. Be like, yeah. uh, that's uh, going on a non-bass trip. Really? I would think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. So a lot of fun. But... That's cool. That's cool. Speaking of non-bass, I, uh, <laughs> was on a uh, guide trip yesterday and, uh, these guys have both seen the picture 
but we're having a, a decent morning of bass fishing. It's not on fire, but it's certainly not bad, you know, for the for the average late summer bite that we've been dealing with. We're having a solid morning, and uh, the guy that I'm with, um, great guy, wants to learn more about flipping. So we're just going to take the last hour, 45 minutes of the day, and just kind of go through the motions of doing it, show them how I like to, you know, approach the stuff and 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 actually present the bait even though we might not catch anything in the heat of late summer, there might be something that we get bit by, but uh, we're, we're just kind of, again, just, this is how you do it type thing. And uh, so I rig up a, a pit boss. I got a pretty heavy weight to punch through um, the thick cane that we're in front of. Um, and I make like two flips and I'm showing them, you know, here you drop it in there let it fall through the cane. <laughs> Once it hits the body, you bring it up when you feel the cane, stop it for a minute, because that's probably where the fish is sitting. You want to give them one more chance to eat that thing before you pull it out of the water. I flip back in for the third time. It breaks through the cane and thump. I mean, like the most distinguishable thump of all time. And I had seen uh, another, and well, this is, we'll get into this later, but on live scope, I had shined it under the cane and there were tons of bluegill. I mean, there's a monster school of bluegill. It's the perfect spot in the shade the middle of the day so i feel that thump and i set the hook and it is an absolute monster like the tail the tail slaps as this thing decides to uh, dive down and you can't see it and i'm thinking this is a 12 or 13 pounder literally that's my first thought process i've got a 12 or 13 pounder on the line right now <laughs> uh so and dude it is so powerful for about 10 seconds i'm thinking this is a huge bass and I have no control over it. You can't just rip them out of that stuff. I've got eight, a 7-Eleven heavy action rod, 65-pound braid, and no control over this fish. <laughs> it's bending so, at the top grip. <laughs> dude, a- after about 15 seconds, I realized, like, there's no chance. Like, there's no chance that this is a bass. This is way too big. And, uh, yeah, this thing, I mean, literally, this thing got so buried up in there. <laughs> it took us probably... I don't know, two, three minutes to land this fish that it was only 10 feet out when I set the hook on it. And uh, it was so buried up in this cane. Like I knew it wasn't a bass. I mean, dude, the rod is more than doubled over. I mean, it's bent like a drop shot rod is bent when you're fighting a drop (laughs) shot fish and it's surging. And uh, the guy I'm with Ryan was cool. I mean, he wants to see the fish. I'm like, dude, don't get hurt because like, if that comes it's not free. worth it this ain't a bass and he wants to see it so bad so he's almost up to his his head in the water you know leaning over the side digging through the cane trying to this thing is buried so deep in the cane he's digging through like a weed whacker dude just pulling <laughs> ripping it ripping the cane apart pulling it to the side grabbing the line going a little deeper a little deeper and he sees the mouth of this thing and it is a giant, giant catfish. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how big it was. I'm real terrible at judging these things. They always look monstrous when you lay them on the, like when you're looking from up from above because they're so wide. Uh-huh. And then you hold it on its side and they lose a little bit of their um, you know, shimmer because they, they're <laughs> flat. You know, it's like uh, from on top, they look like they weigh 50 pounds. And on the side, they look like they weigh 15. But I think your guess of 30 would be pretty good, Nick. Anyways, it was it was an interesting uh, fish to catch Flip. And he thought he was getting him a bluegill that was yeah. strayed from the uh, rest of the crew. I mean, I guarantee that thing is just chomping on bluegill day and night. Oh, yeah. 
but imagine pretty... having to be the bluegill in that school and they're all very much aware of that huge like street thug hanging out in the shadows <laughs> street thug right and you're just like behave <laughs> don't do anything weird and you'll be all right and then every now and then the street thug comes and eats two or three of your friends and relatives and then goes back to his shadow a perilous life you're not getting yeah yeah don't be on the edge of the group stay in the middle of the school <laughs> Seriously. yeah what a, I, what a cool thing man flathead have to be the ugliest and then also like coolest looking fish in freshwater possible they, they look, look like a pit bull they that's do. it dude they have that dumb look on their face with their eyes like six feet apart right and that big <clears throat> like underbite i mean they literally look like they have the iq of seven but then at the same time they're like awe-inspiring it's the color of mud, the most incredible camouflage you could ever have. Cool fish. It really is. The way that they sit on the bottom and just, just hide, and they just sit there and wait to ambush for that one moment. And uh, just the fact that they're so much bigger than most of everything else that lives that, you know, in the fresh water. Like a carp's not exciting because that's not a predator, right? Like you snag a carp, you're like, ah, crap, it's a carp. But at least this, you know, if you're not a tournament, you yeah. can appreciate what it is and how old that fish probably is and, yeah. um like you know that thing i you know something like that uh, most catfish you're just i'm gonna unhook on the side of the boat and not slime up the boat and mess with but something like that you're gonna take the time to bring in the boat take pictures um i put a picture on instagram and facebook or a video but uh you know i told a guy i was with like as he was on the the carpet of the boat as i was you know going to unhook him and stuff i'm like dude we could probably leave this thing here for a couple hours and it would still live. <laughs> yep yeah they're so hard degree sun yeah yeah, and flat flatheads. I mean, they <clears throat> they eat what big bass eat. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's quite a few times in Arizona. I've caught big flatheads on a crankbait, and then the next cast you catch a big largemouth. You know, so it's they're eating the same stuff for sure. And then yeah. I've conversely talked to flathead guys. I got excited about that, and that's one of the little side forays I want to do with my aluminum boat is a little night fishing for them. And they'll tell you that they catch big seven, eight pound largemouth because they use live bluegills for bait at night. Oh, right. So gosh. it's like, you can tell that they're just, you know, parallel species and probably a 50 pound flathead eats a seven pound largemouth when it gets the, you know, <laughs> chance. So it's like, damn, that's a, it's a mean fish. It's pretty sweet. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They're neat. I mean, they're neat. Uh, for whatever reason, flatheads intrigue me so much more than channel cats. Channel cats yeah. do not get my blood pumping. But a, a big flathead is just cool, dude. Not going to lie. Can I bore you with a flathead story real quick? I'll make it sure. brief. So when I was in Alabama this summer with my brother-in-law, we were just like, you know, having such a great time every night. He had to work this trip. So every night we'd go out on the lake behind his house from like 8.30 to 1 or 2 a.m. and just night fish. And we started out on a major struggle fest and uh, couldn't catch squat. But by the end of it, you know, we had a couple of spots where you could tell that fish were active and we were catching some bass and he just kept wanting to catfish. And I'm like, dude, like, <sighs> finally, like after the fourth or fifth time trip out, I'm like, all right, dude, like let's, we'll rig up a rod and you'll be in charge of it. And like, when we get to a spot, you can cast it out and we'll just drag it behind the boat. And so we did it and it was a pain in the butt. It kept getting snagged because I was wanting to troll. Right. So we're dragging it behind the boat. So all night, this thing keeps getting snagged or like acting stupid, but you know, it's bottom reel it in, throw it back out. So we get to the final spot of the night and it's just, you can tell it's active. I don't have live scope, but you know, like I caught a couple Lizard. of bass and yeah, I'm sorry. What was that? And uh, so, dude, the catfish pull, 
all night is like make sure the drag is backed way off on this thing so that like you know when you get a bite it'll just pull line and then we'll reach over there and we'll set it okay so it was my fault not his the rods in the rod holder lines out chicken liver 60 pound braid two two ounces of lead you know like we're, we don't know what we're doing but that seemed to make sense so i'm, I'm unhooking a bass and I, I hear the rod like load and pull drag but like hard drag like it wasn't backed off enough and then nothing and i was like okay i didn't have my foot on the trolling motor but i'm sure we're still just drifting you know there's this is a current lake like i'm sure that's all it was like don't reel it in yet it's not snagged we'll get to it in a couple minutes and we'll see what's up well my mistake was not backing the drag off right so i unhook my bass i throw it back in i'm not paying attention i make a cast and then all of a sudden like you can't even describe the sound drag pull drag pull loud pop and then two skips and the rod is gone. Boom, boom, splash, <laughs> gone. It broke. You know those like rod holders that you slide the male end into the female end and then they have adjustments and everything, you know, like those hard plastic, probably three quarter, one inch cast molded plastic. Yeah. Snapped it like a twig, dude. Like like the tiniest twig off of a pine tree on Boyd's hunt. Just tink. Dude, rod was gone and like not even three seconds is too long. Like just... Tink, Whoa. tink, gone. Dude, my brother-in-law and I are looking at each other with eyes the size of saucers. And then we just start laughing. It was the most violent, like, taking of your rod and breaking the rod holder. Like, And then, you know, dumbfounded laughter turns into, like, quiet reflection on, like, wow. Like, what, what do you think it? it even was? I mean, it wasn't bottom. We weren't moving. And the rod left in negative two seconds. Like, clearly... You know, and that like has gar, huge gar, but you know, it has big flat head, big blue catfish, like who knows, dude, but it took a rod and snapped the rod holder in nothing, zero, nothing. So who knows? It would have been epic to, to actually, uh, just watch that rod holder break, right? Oh, dude, we, we've been laughing forever. I'll send you the picture of the broken rod holder. I've been waiting two months to tell you the story since the podcast went dormant. But like, it was unbelievable, dude. Like how, maybe that, I mean, now hearing your story about that one that you caught, okay, so 20, 30 pounder, but the violence that it removed the rod holder from the boat was no different than like hooking onto a truck on the freeway and just letting it take your rod. I mean, like, it just was like, F you, this belongs to me now. I'll see you later. I don't I mean, yeah, the, the drag is one thing, right? I don't, it's just, there's so many factors there, but I don't know if that fish I caught would have had that type of strength. Like I, you almost wonder if it was twice that size. All you can I, do is wonder. That's oh, the and now thing, it's, you know? it's ruined dude. Cause like, yeah, if the drag would have been backed off. We probably would have been fighting, you know, maybe a 50 pound flathead for 30 minutes, you know, cause it was, it was large and it was an, it was a perfect spot. We were fishing a little hump that I had found. And the top of it was like eight feet deep. And then it was main channel all around it. So it's like the perfect spot for a street thug to just roll up and have a little bit of chicken liver and then retreat back down to wherever he was going. So that's crazy. Yeah, that's a good one, dude. That's a, yeah, that's a, a fish lost story that you'll remember forever. You'll I officially one. don't want anything to do with something that's going to eat chicken liver. Just saying. Yeah, that's I'm not fair. surprised. You're such a purist, dude. You'd rather yeah. hide behind a fake cow. And then I would shoot yes. an innocent, you know, yep. four-legged mammal. Yep. Way more sportier. All right. Well, let's roll into um, you know, kind of our main topic of discussion for today, which makes me well, there, sick there that we're even one. talking about this because I'm literally been complaining all week about how annoyed I am about the entire 
basically uh, the entire, you know, fishing world belly aching about live scope. And, and I say that um, not to discredit anyone that's belly aching. You know, I understand both sides of the whole thing and belly aching is even a, a harsh word. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm tired of hearing about it. I just, you know, because the, and the reason I'm tired of hearing about it is it's, I feel like it's a lot of our sports being cast in a negative light lately. You know, I think there's way too much negative negativity around bass fishing, but especially primarily tournament bass fishing, man, it's just been a rough summer. Um, if you, if you go online on social media or look at the forums or anything, it's just like so much more negative than positive. Right. And, um, that's, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of reasons for it, but, um, man, it's just, this is the sport that I love so much. And, uh, when you're out there physically on the water, you have a great time and then you get off the water and it's just like, oh, you know, negativity. Uh, so we, we got to talk about it because it is interesting how, you know, forward facing sonar has been around for five years now. And it's helped a lot of people catch a lot of fish. It's, it's helped a lot of people, you know, fall in love with bass fishing. Um, but you know, some people still have a stigma around it. And what's really interesting is it's really exploded over the last, you know, couple of months where, um, it's this huge talking point now. And, uh, I just, I don't really understand why now it's become such a big thing. And it wasn't a big thing the last four years. Like, what would, what do you think, Rob? Like, why do you think it's such a big thing now? I don't, I don't know other than um, a lot of the live fishing people have been watching the last month or so has been on the Northern swing and it's yeah. all live scope. And I mean, it's kind of, so you say it's been around five years or so, five years ago, you were still making a cast majority of the time, even when you didn't see one. Now guys are literally doing nothing but scanning and like they're making a fraction of the casts a day. Um, they're only, they're only casting when they see a fish, which whatever. I mean, that's just, that's not, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm for live scope, but I'm, I'm of the age of, um, I'd be fine if it wasn't around, but I'm still for it because it's a lot of fun. Um, and it's just, I mean, you got to change with the times. Um, but like you said, you cannot look at anything fishing and not see someone negatively talking about it. Randy Blanc, it's got to be like mm. so stoked right now. Yeah. Like that guy is the most negative individual ever. He's, he's built up a, a YouTube channel or whatever you want to call it. Um, from being negative and being just annoying. Like people hate him so much. They watch him. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, it, how it changes. If it does change, I, I just don't see it changing. I mean, it's, everyone compares it to the Alabama rig, the a rig. I mean, the a rig, um, it was around for a short period of time. And then they, they, uh, banned it from tournaments so it didn't really become a culture now we've been live scoping for five years and it's really part of bass fishing I and mean, it's a huge part and so many tournaments are one doing it that they're gonna have a really hard time banning it um i have a good example with that in arizona hunting um trail cameras were 
around for many, many years. And it became the culture of like, that was part of our, our hunting. It was running trail cameras all summer, checking your cameras, seeing what's coming to certain areas. Um, and then all of a sudden they ban it and people are just in an uproar over it. Right. Um, is that just in Arizona? Yeah, just in Arizona, they okay. ban it. So, and it's, and it's a really gray area, which is unfortunate. Um, you can run trail cameras, but you can't hunt the area or run trail cameras. So you can't, you can't kill an animal that you saw on a trail camera. So how do you prove that? So guys are breaking the law. You still see trail cameras out there. Guys cheaters are still running. Are gonna, yeah, it's yeah. cheaters are going to cheat. Right. Yeah. And it sucks. And, um, but another good example, similar to like the A-Rig was uh, when drones came out, drones would be a great hunting tool, right? Just not only see animals, probably wouldn't see that many animals, but you would see the terrain that's on the other side of that hill. You oh, would see, man. you know what I mean? It, it just, was it worth would be, hiking the hour to see what was there or something correct, like that. Correct. It'd be a great tool. But as soon as they came out, they banned them from hunting. Like you cannot use them for hunting. So it did not become a culture thing. Like people were not ingrained in doing that. So nobody really cares. Right. So I don't know. It, it It's such a touchy subject. There's a lot of money involved too. And you know, the electronics companies pump a ton of money into a sport that is driven by endemics, right? Like, yeah. It, At the end of the day. Yeah. You, you, you need those guys. You need them there. Yeah. Without them. And it's really funny how, um, I mean, I'm going to say this and you may, who know, I, I have no idea, but you were fortunate that you were lined up with Garmin. There's guys that were lined up with other companies that had to break those contracts. Right. And yeah, because Garmin, Garmin the beginning of it. I'll, I'll say that still Garmin the best. probably has the best one. So yep. yeah, yep. for sure. Yep. yep. So it's really, I mean, you see a ton of guys with multiple different units on their boats and it's, uh, I don't know. It, it's definitely been interesting to watch and it's going to be interesting to see where, where it goes. Right. Um, I don't see it being banned. That's my take on it, but. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you make a really interesting point, you know, talking about the parallels to some of the stuff on the hunting side that I didn't really know about. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so entrenched in the sport. Right. And, um, you know, just like anything, there's positives and negatives, um, but it's so entrenched in the sport. It's just not as easy as, you know, you see people throwing stuff out there, ban it in half the tournaments, um, do this, do that. But it's not that easy. It's just not like, I mean, dude, it's a pain to install and uninstall equipment on your boat. And if you're going to say ban it in half the tournaments, are you going to make guys uninstall it? Because I hate to say it, but it doesn't matter what tournament it is. It's hard to trust every individual that they're not going to flip live scope on and catch some fish and then flip it back off and say they never use live scope. Like it's, I don't think, I don't think that's an option. Um, you know, if, and if even on a local level, if I was a guy that just went out and invested in, into this technology and now I can't use it, I'm pretty upset, man. You know, uh, there's, there's a million things you can go on and on about how and why it would be hard to ban. I personally feel like from a fishery standpoint, the fish are doing just fine. We're not seeing, and, and you know, who knows the super long-term effects, but like it's been out long enough. I mean, dude, things evolve. Fish get smarter and smarter every year. There's more fishing pressure for them every year, but there's still plenty of fish to be caught. We do catch and release. You know, people are targeting these fish and putting them back 
to where they are. Um, I think it helps people from grassroots all the way up to the pros be more successful on the water. I mean, I would, I'm obviously for it. There's no doubt about it. Would I lose a bunch of sleep if, if, if rules did come in and, and it was limited in some way? No. I mean, I would, you know, I, uh, caught fish because, before life scope was invented too, you know? Right. Yeah. Because you grew up without it. Right. You know, how yeah. that's, what's going to be interesting in 10 years when guys come into the sport, because there's a lot of 20 year olds that are absolute hammers right now. Yep. Um, you know, and they've had it since th- day one. They've had it since day one. Right. And how, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, well, it's like an iPhone. You're not, you're never going to take an iPhone away. So, I mean, yeah. my, my problem, my question is, is as we move forward, look at the, in five years, how much it's improved. <clears throat> What's the next five years going to bring? How, are the companies going to be reluctant on improving it just so it doesn't get banned? It's, a, it's I mean, an interesting question. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. I mean, uh, it's hard to see, hard to know where it'll go because it, it, it's endless, right, on uh, on where technology could go. Um, so that's a, a serious question that's way over my head, man. I know if I was a tournament circuit right now, if I, you know, without putting days and days of thought into it, but if I was a tournament circuit, I wouldn't change any rules at all, um, but I would just be uh, really thoughtful in how I did my scheduling, right? And and yeah. just try to have, you got to have a diverse schedule in my opinion, right? Like I know yeah. the Northern events at the end of the year are the tournaments that you, that this really shines the most, whereas you, you might, in an early season tournament, you might see three out of the top 10 using live scope, seven out of the top 10, not leaning on it so heavily. Um, it might be one on it, but there's still going to be a lot of guys that have a lot of success beating the bank. And then, you know, you get into the end of the year and you go to the Lake St. Clair or Champlain, man, every guy's going to be using live scope, catching smallmouth out in open water or offshore. Um, and I, you know, dude, those are the most fun events for the pros to go to because you're catching a bunch of big fish. The viewership tapers off by the end of the year for multiple reasons. You're hearing guys say that they don't like watching people stare at a screen. But at the same time, viewership's always tapered for the last couple events of the year because it's the best time of year for everybody to be in the outdoors. Like every single angler now on Saturday in July, dude, they're not cooped up inside because the weather's cold or fishing season hasn't opened yet. They're out uh, fishing themselves. And then you get into uh, September. Now they're now a lot of the guys are getting ready to go in the tree stand and, and be hunting. So like uh, no matter what those tournaments later in the year uh, are going to have a little bit less viewership, still a good amount, but less. Uh, but I, I do feel like it's important to have a diverse schedule, no matter what the circuit is, um, you know, for just for, for competition standpoint. And uh, you know, dude, who wants to be fishing a, a major tournament down in the south where it's 100 plus degrees fishing's terrible you, you can't do that all summer you gotta you gotta mix up so I, you know maybe instead of having three northern tournaments you have one or you do two and you do one on a fishery where largemouth are going to play a bigger factor and then maybe have one uh smallmouth dominated tournament easier said than done but like i don't know uh, i think it was such a big deal because bpt went to st Clair, dominated it uh on on forward facing and then bass goes to st Clair, champlain and st lawrence back to back to back all forward facing 
And then Sag- our Saginaw Bay tournament was pretty diverse. It ended up being one on uh, live scope ID, but there was a ton of good uh, shallow largemouth fishing that was uh, mixed into the broadcast. But I mean, you're talking the last five tournaments basically are, are one on it. So, you know, it'd be, it'd be probably better to see that cut back a little bit. The, the elites this year was absolutely dominated with live scope. Yeah. Like I, I can't think of all the tournaments off the top of my head, but majority of them were one live scope, even where they probably shouldn't have been. Right. <laughs> well, that's it. Okeechobee was one on it. And yes. uh, nine out of the top 10 were, were had braided line throwing a swim jig or a frog or flipping, but it was one on it. So like, yeah. it's hard. I mean, yeah, it was one on it, but it was a, it was a, a kind of a freak deal, dude. It was a yeah, very it wasn't dom- situation. It, even though it was one on, it was not dominated by it. Yeah. Right? Do you feel like, like our tour, like, I don't know. And, and it just depends on the schedule and how the year goes, right? Like you just never yeah. know, but I don't feel like ours was as significant this year, at, but it was last year. Right. But right. this year, I really feel like um, a lot of our events, just the shallow bite prevailed a lot more. Yeah. The guys with the worst job in tournament bass fishing right now are the ones that are scheduling tournaments. Cause I mean, they're just going to hear it from every end. Like it's tough. It's got to be really tough to schedule yeah, schedule tournaments. At the end of the day though, that's the, uh, and you can't predict the future. You don't know how a lake's going to be fishing, but you can, right. uh, you can set the stage one way or the other for how it's, it's probably going to go. So I yeah. don't know, dude, I feel like, without making any drastic changes, just be really thoughtful on scheduling, which our schedule is already out, but um, moving forward, um, be thoughtful on that. And then I don't know, dude, I don't, I I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. It's over my head. I love using it. Um, A lot of people love using it. I understand that, you know, it's not for everybody, um, but not everything's for everybody either. And uh, times do change. So like, I mean, it's 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 a tricky one. Yeah, it definitely it definitely has uh, enabled the youth to be very competitive. Yeah, we're seeing the sport get younger, 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 younger by drastic numbers. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, just a reminder for everybody out there: if you did want to pick up a spinner bait and go throw it at the bank, you could still catch a bass. There's no right. one stopping you from doing that. <laughs> well, I mean, probably the two guys that are most pro live scope would be a john cox and a poche yeah right? yeah because they're just they got free reign of what they love right because absolutely everyone, everyone else is out chasing suspended fish in the middle of nowhere so yep yep now i mean yeah dude there's there's gonna be tournaments where they do get beat by it but uh man three quarters of the year those guys are lethal and yep. um and, and they've got so much more water themselves now so you yeah, would pretty think interesting. You would think as is the right word progressive as tournament anglers are at that tour level, you would think there'd be more guys following their lead. I mean, John Cox isn't it, like it's ridiculous how good that guy is. Mm-hmm. And, it's amazing. Yep. Yep. And his it equipment makes it look is, easy. He does make it look easy, but there's a lot of guys that probably have that skill level that just kind of flip flop between, you know, fishing outside, fishing inside, and like those guys have proven that it's uh everyone fishing offshore has helped them big time. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. It's pretty interesting, but we'll see. Uh basically, yeah, not no no hard opinions on me one way or the other, but uh which it and it doesn't matter anyways. But I, yeah, I, I was... personally I've had a lot of people ask because dude, it's amazing how just some people on the internet that are loud 
can make such a ruckus. And uh, I would be very willing to bet that they have no, they have not talked to any high ups in these organizations yep. that, that have said anything about any type of limitation or ban. This is just their own, these guys that are making these videos, this is their opinion on what maybe they would like to see or what they what they think would happen. But I can almost guarantee none of it's coming from the horse's mouth. And right. I, I, I would put money that nothing's probably going to happen, especially in the uh, immediate future. It's just the day and age we live in with people's ability to broadcast everywhere with zero credibility. (laughs) I mean, dude, I've had text messages like crazy. Are they going to ban live scope? I'm like, no, dude, I really, I don't think so at all, man. Right. I don't think so either. Yeah. Anyways. uh, Okay. So a couple of last quick things. We're already uh, closing in on an hour here. But uh, I do want to bring back uh, a little bit of trivia. And the way we're going to set this thing up is, uh, you know, Rob had a great idea. When it's just the three of us, which, Nick, you're still there, I hope, dude. I, I see just the, the gray screen. I'm here. I'm yeah. uh, entertaining my four-year-old. So any background noise is not a, a chimpanzee. Perfect. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do some trivia. And. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to start off this week by asking you two a question. You are going to take the answer or what you think is the answer. And then in our group chat, which will remain nameless, we will (laughs) text the answer into that group chat, but don't hit send. So you're going to type in what you think is the answer. And then after you've had enough time, the guy asking the question who today is me, you're going to hit send and I'm going to read the answers and whoever is either correct or closer to being correct um, is going to win. And whoever loses the incorrect answer has to come up with a question next next week and run the question session. So okay. if, you, if you if you guys both get it right, then I'm asking again next week. So, you know, the, we try to come up with a question that not both guys are going to get right. Um, but uh does that make sense yep and so i don't have to fish with a barbie pole if and when i lose that's right this is a little less of a harsh punishment here okay so uh and, and then so I, I and i'm even asking a question that is uh very basic we may have even asked it before on this podcast but but we're going to use a, a fairly basic one to get us started that's extremely appropriate um Ooh. and uh you know I, my memory anyways i don't remember the answer to this thing if it's been asked before so uh yeah the question is just going to be in this case how many species of black bass are there and how many can you name so we'll play the jeopardy music as you guys type them in okay how many species of black bass are there and what are they be curious for the listeners in their head to try to play I didn't along. I know you're going to ask that question. Isn't that weird? You I googled that it gonna... so fast. I'm well, winning. dude, it's the yeah, it's the it's the most obvious easy question there is. I'm sorry that I didn't get too creative here, but do I hit send or do I wait? Wait to hit send until uh, Rob's ready. Let us know when you're ready, Rob. My spelling is horrible. <laughs> We're going to screenshot it too and post your spelling. Yes. I love my daughter is uh, six years old and it uh, her spelling cracks me up at, at the age of six. You know, you're good enough to try to spell anything, but you spell everything exactly how it sounds. So uh, 
I love when she uh, gets creative and writes new words and stuff. You got to have a chuckle at that. So, all right. I know I'm wrong, but let's see. You ready to send? Yeah, I'm let's good. do it. Let's go. Don't laugh at my spelling. Okay, and, and let me preface this by uh, I'm using Wired to Fish. They've got an article. They're a pretty credible source, so I'm just going to go ahead and believe them. I'm using their their article here. All right. So let's uh, let's see what you I know. Have. Yeah, Nick wins. I know. I would say you win, Rob. You got some exotic. Uh, well, Swain. Dude, uh, you guys, you you guys tied. So good. So you guys both said five. I'm <laughs> asking again next week. You both said five, um, and it looks like you have. You're, Is it red eye right. Swain? You're both. It's not Swain. Sw- it, I don't even know. I can't Sowani. even think. Is that what oh, it is? Oh, okay. Sawani. Sawani. Sawani Bass. Right? Is that what you're going for? That's what yeah. I'm going for. Is that yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it is? So, yeah, so the answer is okay. nine. Oh, nine. There's nine species of black bass. Yeah, they both said five. Okay. Nick said Guadalupe, Spot, Largemouth, Smallmouth. Oh, Red Eye. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. The one that lives in a state where uh, recreational is legal. Bro, I don't think red. Eye, oh, it is. Okay. No, no. It, red eye is. So back down, bro. If you weren't yeah, looking at yeah, live scope all the bad. time, you would have known that. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's good. Okay. And Rob said five as well. Large mouth, small mouth, spot. So, Sawani, Sawani, and then Guadalupe. Um, yeah. And Rob spelled a couple of these just like Emma would too. That's hilarious. <laughs> I was in a hurry. Two uh-huh. G's in Guadalupe, dude. That's <laughs> just, great. Good, good. Hold, not, the yeah. uh, hold the okay, G. Okay, so <laughs> according to Wired, so you both get five and they're all right. Uh, Alabama bass, which is going to be a uh, – wow, this is interesting. Okay, Alabama bass, Florida bass, Guadalupe bass, largemouth bass. So I'm assuming the, the largemouth is a northern strain and the Florida is a Florida strain. Uh-huh. Sorry, red eye, shoal bass, smallmouth bass, spotted bass. So it's interesting. There's a, a Alabama bass and then a spotted bass. They, they, and I, I do agree that there's like two strains of spots. They must just be referencing both of those and uh, Sewanee bass. So um, they've got so nine. Think- two of them are almost, you know, I think a lot of people, two of those, the largemouth and then the uh, Florida bass and then the Alabama bass and the spotted bass. I, I probably wouldn't have even guessed. I would have just considered them as one, but they're they're calling them separate. So any surprises there? Yeah, I mean, I'm, they're splitting I'm surprised they're splitting them all up like that. But. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. But I yeah. think I win wrong. because I put I got my text in first. I don't. It has nothing to do with it. But we both were right, so then it has to defer to a tiebreaker. And clearly, we were both I wrong. Win the tiebreaker. We were actually we were both, both wrong. Right and wrong. You didn't get any yeah. wrong, but you definitely uh, didn't get. We just all. weren't completely right. We were just well, like five out of nine right. What happens when we both get it wrong, Josh? Rob loses. We flip a coin. No, dude. Just, just I lose. mean, I, I say I'm going to ask again. I'll try to find a better question next week. Okay, all right. I'll let, I'll let you guys off the hook. Since, to be I mean, continued. I'll call it a tie. Yeah, a little more cut and dry win next week. Maybe, maybe. All yeah, right. we'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I actually have a friend that went and caught them all. He uh, he he was working in the fishing industry, and he did. He was a writer, 
um, Kurt Masaryk, actually. Um, I uh, don't know if you've ever read anything that he did. He works in the fishing industry now, but he went and, and did it all in, in, in like a two-week span, and it was a heck of That's a cool. marathon. That's he, pretty he, cool. He yeah. grabbed Keith Combs, and, and I remember Keith saying uh, he agreed to it, thinking, oh, yeah, it'd be fun. And then he afterwards, he's like, dude, it was fun, but my God, it was really? a marathon, dude. I mean, literally, you drive all day and night, you pull in, you catch a bass, get in the truck, start driving <laughs> to the next place, right? Like if it was well, uh, may, 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 maybe a great idea to do, but maybe stretch it out over a couple of years next time. And I've heard the Suwannis in the Guadalupe has grow to incredible size. I think a large Guadalupe is nine and a half inches. That's I've a caught sexually... a bunch of those, dude. They're tiny, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Lake Tra- They look a lot like spotted bass, but Lake uh-huh. Travis is full of them. And uh, yeah, a, I don't think a very mature, many of sexually mature one is yeah, seven inches. <laughs> they're, they're small for sure but still cool they uh they act yeah. a lot like spotted bass they do have a little bit different look but uh anyways uh i think that's about all we've got for everybody here uh i did want to give a uh another shout out to uh, kevin van dam he fished his last regular season tournament at our last event of the year and uh i've looked up to that guy forever uh always been kind of my fishing idol since i was a kid and uh you know he just uh in every way shape and form was a good role model for me and uh, anyone getting into the sport. So, you know, we'll miss him big time in tournament fishing, um, but he's still going to be around. It's not like he's vanishing from the sport. It's just going to, I'll miss uh, seeing him at the, at the tournaments because he was a heck of a guy to uh, look up to and, uh, and be around for sure. And um, that's about it. Anything else uh, from you guys before we move to uh, the next one here in a couple of weeks? Nope. We're good. That was fun. Yeah, great likewise, to catch man. up. It was awesome. Thank you guys. And uh, yeah, to the listeners again, thanks for uh, sticking around. We'll see how many of you really did stick around after I post this thing and see how many <laughs> downloads we get. But uh, e- either way, yeah, appreciate it big time. Um, you know, I know how it is. I, I, I've listened to a lot of podcasts myself. And uh, yeah, it's, it can be frustrating when you uh, start to really uh, dig a podcast and then uh, it doesn't doesn't come in consistently so we uh we apologize for that but i think we've got a little bit more of a realistic uh game plan moving forward with our schedules and uh we'll be back at you all next week thanks again